Did you know Bluff Country Feed and Seed in Mondovi is really growing to meet the needs of farmers? Matt has expanded his service area, and your animals can enjoy the expanded feed lines and bulk custom feed mixes right now. He also has seed for all your planting needs for next spring's planting. Visit Bluff Country Feed and Seed's website at bluffcountryfs.com to see what Matt and the crew can do for you. It's the Wax Midwest Farm Report podcast with Joe Welke, Kristen Smith, and me, Bob Bosold. Good morning. Time for the farm show here at the Shank of the Day on Wax 104.5. As Jill and Krista and myself, Bob Bosol, bring you the news and agriculture around the area, around Wisconsin, around the nation, and around the world as part of the Midwest Farm Report family. We've got markets, 13 first alert weather. We'll look at all kinds of calendar items and what's going on in the world of agriculture. Again, it's time for the farm show on Wax 104.5. The crack of dawn never sounded so good. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Oh, it is the shank of the day, baby, as we take a look at the farm show. And uh, Bob and Jill with you this morning to get the chores done. And uh, are the cattle still happy out on that uh, freshly harvested cornfield? They are so happy. They haven't even touched their hay bale I put out there. Boy, that makes the hay go a long way, that's for sure. It's- it- just the, the start, so hopefully we don't have one of those winters where we got to feed a lot of hay, but uh, we will see what we will see. We didn't think we are going to have this dry a summer either, but Mother Nature always has the final say. Take a look. We'll look at the crops today as far as uh, how far along we are with the harvest and uh, what's going on around Wisconsin and the country. And uh, speaking of the harvest with a lot of equipment on the road, Make sure that if you don't have the the lights, a lot of this modern farm equipment, of course, has taillights and flashers and everything else. But if you got some of the old old equipment and uh, you need a slow-moving vehicle sign on the back, the uh, folks at the National Farm Medicine Center are providing some of these around the area. There's a limited amount, but they are providing some. And again, uh, if you're over in the area of Marathon Feed and Marathon, also, uh, Allied Cooperative uh, Provision Partners, you know, they've merged now. And at their facilities in Stratford, Auburndale, and Hickston, you can go in there and uh, get free SMV signs. And remember, you have to have them in good shape. Just having them on there, if they're all crinkled up and, you you know, you backed into the shed or the barn or some of the tree and wrinkled them up and the paint's coming off, that's not a legal SMV. So make sure you get the right kind of sign. You know, Wisconsin uh, farm reported uh, fatalities. Roadway deaths accounted for 15% of farm-related fatalities. That's six out of the 40 farm deaths in 2019 were on the roads in 2020, five out of 28. So, again, we've got uh, farm equipment on the road, and there's a lot of it on the road right now. If you're out taking a drive looking at the fall colors, let those uh, pieces of equipment get off the road. Don't anticipate you know where they are going because, uh, again, they're going down the road. They have to use the roads because it's not just farming out behind the house and the barn anymore. We're going down the road to farm a lot of land. So, again, make sure you got your flashers, your lights working, and if you need those slow-moving vehicle signs, get them on there. I'll tell you, it's uh, very, very important. 
Other things we're going to take a look at. Energy. Now, Jill's got a story on energy a little bit later on. What's that going to be about? Well, I was down to the energy first annual energy fair down at the Osu Fairchild High School out in the Plaractus football field. Yeah. They had solar energy out there, and I talked to a gentleman about hydrogen energy. And Don't hydrogen, hear much about that. No, it's a hydrogen generator. We talked about how it works up in the tundra down to where it's hot and and earthquake it it was a tough little machine but boy was it quiet all right well we'll hear about that coming up this morning as far as energy is concerned also checking around just by accident came across a story about the top agricultural counties in the country and uh well we got the top three for you no, none of them are in Wisconsin. They're all in California, but, uh, and we've been there and a lot of folks have been out there in those counties as well out in the central valley out there, which is a farming mecca, agricultural mecca. So we'll tell you what those are. Calendar, you want something to eat? Today's a good day. Yeah. You need to head up to Tilden because the St. Peter Catholic Church is having their pork steak. A sauerkraut and dumpling dinner tonight, for, serving from 4 till 6.30 or until it's gone. And that's an eat-in deal, right? That is an eat-in deal. There's no call-in. Carry-outs are available, but you still have to show up to pick it up. All right. So that's St. Peter's just uh, behind Highway 53 as you're going north from Eau Claire or uh, however you get out of there, out of Chippewa or whatever direction you're coming from. St. Peter's in Tilden. That, what time does that start? Four o'clock. Runs till? 6.30. All right. So, again, get the chores done and or so have somebody run down there or up there or over there and get yourself some to take out. And uh, Expo, World Area Expo, of course, is uh, all finished. But we had some, uh, saw some of the results of the Expo Dairy Judging. We had four schools from our area in the top 20. We'll tell you who those kids are and how they did as far as judging is concerned. And then, needless to say, they did very, very well. Otherwise, uh, I don't think it's going to probably stop any harvest, but uh, I would think more beans are going to be coming off today. Yeah, I would think so. Yesterday, with all the sunshine, I saw a bunch of corn coming off, but I did not see any combines moving in the beans. But hopefully they can get out there today. All right, maybe uh, settle the dust a little bit, because we've had plenty of dust, that's for sure. Also, the USDA is extending the application deadline for the milk loss program, and it will go until Monday, October 30th, allowing the dairy farmers more time to apply for the, uh, well, it's weather-related disaster recovery assistance. We'll uh, talk more about that. They give, I laugh at this thing, they give you, and, and you know, God love them, they're doing their, they're doing their job, but, uh, you know, they how to apply for MLP, and all the things you've got to submit, this, that, and the other thing. And uh, I guess the bottom line, if you're confused, call the Farm Service Agency office. They'll, they know it all. Actually, <laughs> I did talk to Amy Moldenauer from the FSA office yesterday, okay. and she said, reach out to them. They've got their ducks in a row, and they're ready to take any information you have. All right. So, again, that's the Milk Loss Program assistance. The deadline has been extended until October 30th. The first thing... FSA 376, the milk loss program application. You think, well, that's not so bad, but then there's about 15 or 20 other things you got to do, too. So, again, Farm Service Agency offices, and get there, because how long is the government going to stay open with this fiasco we've got 
in Washington, D.C. Man, oh, man, oh, man. They, they've they got to get a Speaker of the House in there. and oh, I don't know. The, the guy they're recruiting, Jim Jordan, uh, is a, well, he, he's a lightning rod. Let's just say that because there are a lot of people that, that don't like him. He's very, you know, he's very focused on his positions, that's for sure. So whether you support him or not, he doesn't have the votes yet. Is he going to get the votes? I don't know. But again, they better keep the government open. We got to get her going. All right, we got five minutes to five already. We got a busy show as we've been talking about already. We'll tell you about the weather. Could be a little rain in the forecast. Not gully washers, but it could be some showers. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. 13 first alert weather. Partly cloudy chance of rain today. Probably a pretty good chance. I don't think it's going to be real heavy. 61, down to 49 overnight. A little chance of rain again tomorrow, 56. Friday, partly cloudy and just a, a slight chance as the rain moves out. 60 over the weekend. Should be in the 50s, partly cloudy. So uh, not a bad forecast. Right now, we've got 50 degrees in the Chippewa Valley. And by golly, we're the warm spot. Everybody else is in the 40s. Madison, Sun Prairie, Milwaukee, they're at 49. That's as close as they get to us, and that's as close as we want them to us, isn't it? On a Wednesday morning at Wax, 50 degrees, 61 the high today, partly cloudy chance of rain. It's 5 o'clock. This is 104.5 FM, WAXX Eau Claire. What's going on? I guess there's a lot. NBC News Radio, I'm Mark Mayfield. President Biden is no longer scheduled to travel to Jordan today. Following his trip to Israel, Biden planned to meet with Arab leaders in Amman. A White House official said that after consulting with leaders in Jordan, Biden will postpone traveling to the country. Biden, in a statement, said he was outraged and deeply saddened by the explosion at a hospital in Gaza Tuesday that killed hundreds, adding that the U.S. stands unequivocally for the protection of civilian life. Palestinian officials blame Israel, but Israel says the bombing was the result of a rocket misfire carried out by Palestinian Islamic Jihad militants. The Defense Department says it expects Israel to uphold the laws of war in its conflict with Hamas. It should be very clear that Hamas is the one putting Palestinians uh, or those in Gaza at great risk. Deputy Pentagon Press Secretary Sabrina Singh says it's not clear at this time who's responsible for the missile attack on a Gaza hospital. Singh said the U.S. has provided Israel with military capabilities without conditions, but expects the nation to not target civilians. The next vote for Speaker of the House will be this morning after Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan failed to get a majority. Brian Shook fills us in. Jordan, the top Republican nominee, confirmed the news after leaving a meeting Tuesday afternoon. Jordan went on to say he has no plans of dropping out of the Speaker battle, emphasizing he had essentially the same amount of traction as former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy did during his first vote. I'm Brian Shook. And almost 200 decomposed bodies were removed from a Colorado funeral home. The Fremont County Sheriff's Office originally thought 115 sets of remains were improperly stored in the Return to Nature funeral home in Penrose, but now they say at least 189 were removed. The funeral home offers green burials in which the body isn't cremated or embalmed. Colorado law says that green burials are legal, but remains not buried within 24 hours must be properly refrigerated. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. Well, that makes your breakfast taste that much better, doesn't it, this morning? Do you ever hear of such a thing? I have not heard of such a thing. Wow. And a <laughs> green burial, but oh man, you got to do it right. But anyway, what's going on? 503 this morning. 
And uh, we do have weather, we have markets, uh, we're going to hear about uh, hydrogen energy, uh, market. we got a busy morning. Feeding information to the folks who feed you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Pretty nice morning out there. We've got a partly cloudy day today. Chance of rain, any fog, Jill, or anything like that? When you were coming in this morning, you're out in the country. Yep, no fog. Clear as a bell. All right. No so, stars, though. We got clouds this all morning. All right. So, uh, again, be careful of the critters that might be running around this morning, but uh, shouldn't be a problem with fog this morning. And we'll have a high today about 61, 49 tonight, Thursday, 56. Another chance of rain, and it lingers into Friday as well. It'll be about 60 on Friday, but mostly partly cloudy on Fridays. By that time, it should be moving out of here. Saturday and Sunday, partly cloudy. Temperatures in the 50s, 48 in Rice Lake. 46 in Medford, Wausau at 44, Marshfield 45, 49 in La Crosse, Madison, Green Bay, Milwaukee, 40 in Green Bay this morning, and it's a very pleasant 50 degrees outside our back door. Keeping it rural, Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Seven minutes after five o'clock at Wax, Rural Mutual Insurance bringing us the markets this morning. And Jill, let's start with the cash livestock numbers so far this week. Choice fed beef steers are 174 to 187 with mixed at 118 to 173. Choice fed beef heifers are 174 to 187 with mixed heifers at 110 to 173. Finished dairy cross steers and heifers are 140 to 184. Choice fed Holstein steers are 154 to 165 with select and silage fed steers 123 to 153. Cows are 80 to 97 with a top of 125. Bulls are 110 to 121. New crop market lambs are 150 to 183 with feeder lambs at 95 to 220. Ewes are 30 to 130. Small goats are 5 to $165. Medium goats are 10 to $200. Large goats are 85 to $485 with nanny goats at 25 to $280. And at the Mercantile Exchange, cattle futures were higher for both live cattle and feeder cattle. Hog contracts were lower. October, live cattle, 185.50. That was up 30 cents. December, 186.87, up 32. February, live cattle, 191, even up 35. April, 193.80, up 30. Feeder cattle for October, 248.80. That's up 47. November, 250.45, up 52. January, up $1.27 at 252.80. March up a dollar twelve at two fifty five fifteen and April at two fifty nine twenty seven was up a dollar five. Hogs were lower across the board. December down seventy five at sixty seven fifty five. February contract closed at seventy two oh five down a dollar two. April seventy nine dollars even that's down ninety five cents in May at eighty four sixty down eighty two. On the Board of Trade, the beans were higher yesterday again. Remember the day before it was bean oil, yesterday it was bean meal that uh, pushed prices higher and uh, some good demand for bean meal. Corn is about uh, unchanged as the harvest continues, not much to move the corn, uh, no sale reports, anything like that. Overnight, uh, December corn did go up two cents, sitting at 491 this morning. Oats up three to four at 378. December wheat up a nickel at 575. November soybeans overnight back over $13, up seven to eight cents. November beans at 1304. Meal up $5.50 a ton on the December contract, $405.30. 
Dairy markets a little higher yesterday. Barrel and block cheese both up a quarter of a cent. Barrels one sixty four and a half. The blocks one seventy and one quarter. Butter up another six cents yesterday at three forty one a pound. Class three October up a penny, sixteen eighty two. November up forty four at seventeen eighty three. December up thirty four at seventeen eighty four. January up twenty one cents at eighteen twenty three. February up twenty at eighteen fifty as prices were higher each month out through July. So that's how the markets look, courtesy of the friends at Rural Mutual Insurance. Again, 50 degrees out there. We'll get about 61 today and lots of talk about energy this morning on the show. What's going on in the energy world? A lot. And we're going to find out what and why this morning with Mike Kamstra. Mike is a certified energy relationship manager with Allied Cooperative, the merged organization between Allied Cooperative and Provision Partners Cooperative. Mike headquartered in the Marshfield area. And, of course, Mike, the the headline right now is Israel, Hamas, that war, which is so tragic. What does that mean, though, as far as uh, energy prices and uh, supplies around the world? Well, how is it affecting us, I guess? Energy prices have been going up because of concerns that that Israeli-Hamas war is going to widen, particularly when they talk about Iran getting involved. That's uh, a driver for higher energy prices. Just in the last four or five trading sessions, we've really seen that play out. However, Monday, uh, we saw that uh, the possibility that Venezuela could have a free and fair election, and that would allow for the lifting of U.S. sanctions on Venezuelan oil. So uh, kind of a push and pull on crude oil prices, which right now, as of today, is trading right around $86. It could lead to more oil on the global markets if Venezuela has opened up, but it's a long journey there to get to that. The Biden administration has tentatively agreed to this deal, which would ease those sanctions on Venezuela. So we've seen the last couple of days, the good news is crude oil, diesel, and gas all coming down the last couple of days. There's still the worries, though, about that Israeli-Hamas war could uh, escalate or spread, and that could, that could lead to some more rising crude prices. Mike, what about, as we look at diesel prices and gas prices, how much they affect our overall economy? As far as uh, you know, the uncertainty in the world. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of talk about diesel and gas actually being some of the drivers or fueling inflation. If you'll pardon the pun, you know we see it on our gas stations every day when we drive to work, and it's probably the most visible reminder of inflation going on to to the average person out there. Uh, but you know, diesel has a really big impact on inflation. That powers all the semi trucks, all the industrial machinery, and agricultural equipment. So the, all of that kind of trickles down to the consumer. And even heating oil and propane are closely connected to the price of diesel. So we could see, you know, I mean, if we see higher prices, particularly if we have an event like where uh, this Middle Eastern war spreads, you know, the consumer would definitely feel that uh, in everything they purchase. As we go forward, Mike. Looking at uh, those propane tanks, we're drying grain now. Uh, we need to heat the buildings, our houses, and others uh, this winter. Now a good time to get that propane locked in. Don't wait to see what the world does. Yeah, I think I think so. Uh, you know, we look at if we look back to from August to now, we can see propane kind of steadily rising. 
buy a few pennies a week, um, sometimes three to four cents a week. I would say we're up about 10 to 15 cents since that time period. So corn is coming off pretty dry, but there are spotty uh, areas where there's some corn drying going on. But the overall picture is once it gets cold, generally we see prices rise. So, you know, if you can get something locked in, about 75% of the time a contract will save you money versus uh, purchasing on the open market if you're buying it correctly, which we have a lot of people in place trying to hedge that and, and get the right get the right buying opportunities so that our consumers get a win. But uh, uh, more often than not, contracting, um, propane follows the cycle. It's cheaper in the summer and it's more expensive in the winter, uh, and that's that's typically the case. Particularly, the old farmer's almanac was predicting a colder weather winter than usual, so lots of snow and colder temperatures than than what typically we would see in a winter around here. We're looking at winter more than we are summer right now, so again, keep your eye on the price and uh, get that stuff contracted, that's for sure. Mike, thanks for the update this morning. Well, thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. All right, Mike Kamstra, Certified Energy Relationship Manager in the Marshfield office with Allied Cooperative, the merged organization with Provision Partners Cooperative. I'm Bob Bosold. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And once again, we're looking at uh, 50 degrees out there right now. We'll get to 61. 16 minutes after 5 o'clock, the crops are coming off. What does it look like? We've got farm news to look at here on Wax. Agriculture. It's a Wisconsin way of life. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And Jill, how is the crop coming off? Well, the fall harvest led by soybeans is well ahead of past years. This week's crop progress report shows 62% of the beans are now off. A jump of 19% from a week ago and 10% of the five-year average. Minnesota farmers have combined 76% of their beans, followed by Iowa at 74%, Illinois at 61%, and Nebraska at 70% harvested. The condition of the beans even improved a little over the past week, as beans are now rated 52% good to excellent. And the corn harvest jumped 11% in the past week, as 45% of the corn is now in the bin up slightly from both last year and the five-year average. Iowa is the furthest along, with 72% of their corn off, while Illinois has 50, is 52% done. The corn is rated 53% good to excellent this week, the lowest such rating for this time of the year since back in 2012. And here in Wisconsin, 14% of the corn for grain has been harvested, a little ahead of last year, but behind our five-year average. The moisture content of the corn this past week was 23%, and the crop is now rated 50% good to excellent condition. The corn silage harvest is also wrapping up with 93% of that job done. State farmers have also harvested 54% of their soybeans, about four days ahead of the average. Soybeans this week are really rated just 48% good to excellent. Potato farmers have dug 90% of their fall potato crop, while others have taken 97% of their fourth hay crop, and still other farmers have planted 74% of the winter wheat. And we're a little behind with fall tillage, 
as only 21% of that job is finished. I haven't seen many fields tilled up around me yet. So I've seen a few of them scratched up and dissed up, but uh, yeah, we're a little behind that way. But we are talking topsoil moisture, and it has gotten a little bit better. This week, it's rated 70% adequate to surplus, 22% short, and 8% very short. The driest areas of the state are now in central and south-central areas of Wisconsin. All right, so that's where we are crop-wise. We're going to find out about energy, hydrogen energy. Jill had a chance to uh, find out about that recently while she was at a fair, an energy fair down in Osseo. That's all coming up on WAX. It's almost 20 minutes after 5 o'clock. Time for our fall pioneer program. I've got Mike Gronsky, field agronomist. We're deep into harvest, and that data is being collected. What do we do with it? There's been a certainly uptick in the number of operations that are collecting data on the farm. But the biggest challenge I see is how do we make that work and how do we make management decisions? We had some very dry pockets across the state with the drought. So we learn a lot of different things in regards to products, different management techniques, this is a better year than ever where we could take that data, turn it into something that we can use from a management standpoint. And you can work with your local Pioneer sales professional to upload that into Granular or make a wireless connection. And it allows you to see different trends, whether it's products that are yield leaders, improving product placement, varying population more based on trends that we saw. There's just a lot that we can do with that to really improve that efficiency on an acre and most importantly, improve ROI on an acre. Take the opportunity to make the most of that yield data and let it work for you. And that's our Pioneer Program with Mike Gronsky, field agronomist. The first voice of agriculture in Wisconsin for over 35 years. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Energy. We all make it as we move. We all need it to function in our daily lives. Research has brought technologies about to help us harness the energy of the sun, of our water, of our wind. There's one type of technology that I had no idea existed, and that's hydrogen generators. I'm Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn here in Eau Claire. Last week, I was down to the first ever Osseo Fairchild Energy Fair in Osseo. And as I visited with the displays all around the practice football field, I had the chance to talk to Bill Brooks. He's the owner of H2 Future Power. He had a hydrogen generator in his trailer. And it was running, and it was so quiet. And we had the chance to talk about where these hydrogen generators are used their purpose, and how they work. But my first question right out of the gate was, tell me about what you have in the trailer for students and adults to learn about today. We have a hydrogen fuel cell generator. Uh, This is different from a normal generator, and being that it's not mechanical in nature, it's chemical in nature. We use hydrogen as our fuel source, and the byproducts are electricity and water. How does the hydrogen generator work? Basically, it does is it injects hydrogen gas with oxygen and puts it through a a catalyst, which is potassium hydroxide. And those three elements together form water. When water is created, there's electrical charge that's created, and we have uh, mechanisms that capture electricity and output it in a usable format. Now, this generator is inside a trailer. How much power can it generate? 
Now, this is just basically for show purposes that it's in a trailer, but uh, it is able to put out 5 kilowatts of power. So it isn't a huge size, but for critical standby uh, purposes, it's usually more than adequate. And now we're talking about using the hydrogen, using the water. Is there a possibility to hook it up to other sources to make it go? Yeah, you, uh, primarily with the farm crowd, uh, the other source you can use is ammonia. Ammonia has three uh, hydrogen uh, molecules in it, and that's a perfect fuel source that is very farm-friendly. People on the farm know how to use ammonia. I was in the trailer with the machine. It is very quiet. And what are some of the common uses for this machine? Basically, anything that's critical infrastructure, things where it needs to go at a given time uh, and that are sensitive in nature. It could be anything from computer servers to a trauma center to radio gear for a fire department uh, to a farm, maybe a a heater on a water tank. Uh, Anything of that nature, it could be used for. And at 5 kilowatts for the size-wise, is there a way to hook them together so you get more output? Yeah, they could be daisy-chained together up to four units, the the quadruple the power, up to 20 kilowatts. And the company that we're handling currently has a 10-kilowatt unit in development, which could be daisy-chained up to 40 kilowatts. So it's on the way. So we're talking about development. How big do you think these are going to get? They're definitely sky's the limit. It's uh, what the the market will call for. Uh, You know, at the moment, there's currently the smaller machines like we are working with are currently a strong market and very large machines that are powering uh, uh, distribution centers and and things of that nature are the other market right now. Uh, That market will grow together as demand increases. And market demand, where are a lot of these machines being used right now? Right now, they're being used anywhere from the equator to the tundra uh, and whatever application requires uh, critical power, uh, cell phone towers, um, you know, things of that nature. We do have some uh, farm uh, in mountainous areas where it's tough to get uh, cable ran in from the power company where they're putting these things on the side of a mountain and and powering uh, irrigation pumps, things of that nature. And again, we're with Bill Brooks. He's the owner of H2 Future Power. What are some of the challenges you have with a hydrogen generator? Uh, probably sourcing the hydrogen is probably the biggest question uh, that is right now uh, typically welding supply or someone like that where you're going to find hydrogen. But uh, that, in fact, initial investment is a bit strong. But currently with government programs that are out there, there's 30% uh, for the entire installation that's available uh, as, a, as a refund from the government for any installation. Well, I jumped right to the challenges, but tell me, what are some of the benefits of having this generator? The thing runs, if you probably noticed when you came in the trailer, the thing is almost undetectable. It's running. There is no noise, uh, no exhaust. Uh, The only exhaust is a little bit of water vapor and warm air. Uh, It's basically uh, the best everything uh, as far as that aspect, and no, hardly no moving parts. You mentioned earlier that these hydrogen generators are used in the cold and up in the tundra area. How do they manage to release the water when there's permafrost in the ground? It seems like that might be kind of a challenge. Uh, The big thing when it comes to tundra applications is they'll basically bore a hole hole into the permafrost and let the water drain below frost level and and they can get rid of it that way. Water output on this is about a a coffee cup a day is what the water output is. So there's very little water that's actually getting exhausted. Will we ever see this hydrogen power into cars? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, right now, uh, Toyota, Hyundai, and I, I can't remember, there's a third one just entered with a hydrogen-powered car. Uh, it's just getting the fueling infrastructure in place, and, and once that's there, it's going to become more and more commonplace. And so uh, very quick fill times. The, the one benefit against uh, electric vehicles is the, the amount of time it takes to charge them. Uh, you can fill a, a hydrogen car faster than you can fill a gasoline car. So we've talked about benefits. We've talked about challenges. What about the safety aspect? We haven't seen a lot of these around here. Yep. Safety, everyone worries about the explosive uh, perception of hydrogen, which it is uh, a gas that definitely is flammable. Uh, The benefit of hydrogen, though, is it's much, much lighter than air. As long as there's nothing above it, there's virtually any any fire would go immediately skyward, and uh, there's very little risk of outward explosion, much like petroleum, where you get the the big kind of mushroom flame. Uh, That doesn't occur with, with hydrogen. And these generators, are they inside, outside? What kind of facilities do we need to keep them safe? Basically, all you need is a level surface to mount it on outside, and and, uh, unless you're in tundra, uh, that's really about it. Flat ground and and, uh, probably about a 10 by 10 square foot place to put it, and you're set to go. And again, that's Bill Brooks, H2 Future Power. Where is he out of southern part of the state? Southern part of the state. And he didn't want to talk about the cost of these things. Are they still considered experimental, or are they uh, pretty much, you know, you can get them? I think it sounded like you can get them if you needed them. Okay. But it was kind of a specialized thing, and they're expensive. I mean, I don't think I could afford one. <laughs> Even with all the... The bounty of the Welke Land and Cattle Company. <laughs> no, but the biggest thing is I don't really have a use for them. Yeah. These are kind of used out, you know, beyond where uh, power lines can go and beyond where out where um, it's a little bit desolate. Yeah, okay, yeah, he said tundra. So we'll see what happens, but uh, interesting stuff. Hydrogen, all right. Well, we're going to find out how the markets are doing because Rocky's going to join us next. We're over at... Provision Partners Cooperative brought to you by the Wisconsin. No, he's over at <laughs> Premier Livestock. I got so many things on my mind. Started with a P this morning. Rocky over at Premier Livestock is going to join us. Drove by yesterday. The lot's getting full. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Hi, let's get to Rocky over there at Provision Partners Cooperative. And she, <laughs> where is he? Premier Livestock. Premier Livestock. Rocky, I got too many peas on my mind this morning. Yeah. But we'll get you. Premier Livestock in with you is where Rocky's at. And I, I would imagine you're getting ready to buy a horse or two this Friday? Uh, that's one thing I probably won't be. <laughs> I'm game for most things, but not horses. You're g- <laughs> a lot of we, folks. I, li- I like selling them, though. Yeah, I don't I'm just blame not you. buying them. Your kids, uh, your kids don't bug you for a horse. They're happy doing their hunting and stuff like that, huh? Yeah, I told them they're going to get a cow, you know. Well, that's, that's much more profitable. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly what I said. There you so go. We, we, and you uh, don't have to buy a saddle for a cow either. That's right. That's right. And then they, you're usually not riding them, so they're not going to buck you off or hurt you. So. Well, we all did that as kids, though, riding those heifers and calves, yep. didn't we? Yeah, that was fun. Yep. Well, uh, how'd the cows and the calves and everything sell yesterday over at Premier Livestock? Thank you, Bob. Uh, good morning, everyone. This uh, yesterday's special feeder cattle auction shaped up. We did sell over 800 head of feeder cattle. Uh, like I said, still very strong demand, but uh, this weather, uh, cattle conditions here, guys, uh, market was a little softer. Uh, 
big premiums yesterday on the good vaccinated calves, the weaned cattle, uh, big discounts on the unworked and the unweaned cattle. Uh, definitely uh, selling at a big premium on them good cattle. Uh, calves yesterday, most of the new crop from $2 to 290 uh, Those heavier yearling type cattle from 150 to 235 Holstein steers lightly tested, but mostly 130 to 185 Bread beef cows, so mostly 1200 to 1850 uh, Sold some exceptional bread cows and bread heifers from 1875 to 2250 uh, Beef breeding bulls up to 22 and a half. Today, Wednesday, we got our hay auction at 9.30. Uh, then 11 o'clock a.m. we get started with our dairy cattle auction. Guys, lots of last-minute late consignments. We're going to sell over 350 head of dairy cattle. Uh, a lot of these herds did not make the papers. Uh, we're going to have three herd dispersals. Uh, like I said, all short notice, we're going to have a 100-cow Holstein parlor freestyle herd. Uh, we're going to have a 90-cow crossbred herd with many linebacks, strong lineback influence, Jersey crosses, Swedish red crosses, their parlor freestall, lots of two-year-olds. Herd number three, we're going to have 30 registered Holstein tie stall cows, plus lots of consignments of fresh cows, some very, very nice groups of spring and heifers for the sale today. Full list of these consignments on our website at premierlivestockandauctions.com. Call with any questions, 715-229-2500. Reminder, we got that large farm machinery auction coming up November 3rd, guys. If you got consignments to get in, uh, definitely need to be getting them rolling in here pretty soon so we can get them in the ads and get them pictured. Although this Friday we are not accepting consignments due to our large horse auction, and it does look like a very large horse auction. be well over 200 and some horses for a uh, this Friday. Uh, do keep in mind we will be here Saturday from 8 to noon and we'll be accepting till the end of the week next week for your equipment. Uh, but like I said, that's kind of going to be our deadline next week. So any questions, give us a call. And Bob, that's the way it's shaping up. All right. Well, you're a busy man. We'll let you go to work. We'll talk to you in the morning. Thanks a bunch. Bye. There he goes. That's Rocky over at Premier Livestock in the Withy area. Well, what's it going to be like for the horse sale on Friday and all the rest of it? Let's check in with our man over at 13 First Alert Weather, brought to you by Christensen Sales of Abbotsford. That's Mike Dandry. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Bob. Well, what's uh, like I said on TV a little while ago, I, I missed the opportunity. I was busy yesterday, didn't get a chance to get the convertible out. And I, <laughs> it might have been the last day for a while, huh? Yeah, I mean, we'll have some not quite as warm days, but at least dry in the, the near future. But leading up to that, yeah, today will be just as warm as yesterday, but we'll have a mainly cloudy sky. And, well, we'll have a few chances at some showers, so not the, exactly the best convertible weather. Highs today near 60, but tonight we'll have a few more chances at showers, mostly cloudy. Lows in the upper 40s for tomorrow. Our winds start to shift out of the northwest, and that's going to keep things a little on the cooler side, topping out mostly in the mid-50s. Just a few chances at some showers, and then Friday starting off with some sunshine, but a few clouds roll in later in the evening. Could give way to just another stray sprinkle or two, but then we stay dry through the weekend. Have some clouds hang around for Saturday with highs in the mid-50s, still a bit breezy. Sunday in the low 50s as well with a little bit of cloud cover. And then for Monday, we'll have some sunshine and highs in the mid to upper 50s before chances for showers arrive again by Tuesday. Right now, though, we have a little bit of a break in the clouds that have been working in in a temperature of 49 degrees. Wind, not much of that either, is there? 
Not for now. It's uh, five miles per hour out of the south. However, yeah. uh, later on this morning, that's where winds will start to pick up a little bit. And that's actually what's going to warm us near 60, despite the fact that we're looking at a good bit of clouds. All right. We'll deal with it. Not bad harvesting weather. So uh, do it safely. Michael, we appreciate it. You bet, Bob. Have a good one. All right. There he goes. Mike Dandry over at 13 First Alert Weather as we take a look at our markets, weather, and some Morgan News on WAX. For those who work in acres, not in hours, Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, let's get into the newsroom. Morgan McCarthy is up and at him and with us this morning. Good morning, Morgan. Hey, good morning, guys. Now, I go in there every morning into uh, Morgan's, well, I call it Morgan's She Shed because <laughs> it's her newsroom. She runs it. And... Hey, you know what? I spend pretty much uh, most of my life in here. So it, ha- it has become a little bit of a dorm room, hasn't it? Got a microwave. Well, and... well I looked on the shelf, and I really got a chuckle out of uh, your bookshelf in there. Okay, what do we have? What there? you've got on the bottom shelf in there. My Golden Girls? The Bobblehead Golden Girls. Yeah. What, what is that all about? Are you, uh, you're not uh, channeling your... My future? Your future, uh, yeah. Your, what, your desired future? Well, uh, in a job like this, it accelerates the process, the aging process, so I'm <laughs> well, headed there quickly. Tell me about it. <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I've aged considerably since I started here many years ago. <laughs> oh, I got to tell you, I love the Golden Girls. and uh, I used to enjoy watching them, too. Oh, yeah. So we, we watched those, and it was actually one of the shows that my daughter Siggy and I watched together. So you'll appreciate this sense of humor. And uh, if you know the Golden Girls, you know that Sophia was Dorothy's mom, and they took her from Shady Pines, the retirement home, and she went to live with them in the house, and that was part of the plot line. And she was the youngest one of the whole bunch. Right. And uh, now they make bobbleheads for Golden Girls. So my daughter for Christmas last year got me all four of them with a card that said, until you go to Shady Pines, here are your friends. (laughs) Now, which which one would you say you're the most like? Um, probably, well, Rose, innocent Rose Nyland from, uh, no the, oh way. yeah, what? No you way. have other ideas? You and Rose, no way, you're more like Flo, the floozy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, you look better in heels than I do, Bob, plus you're losing all this weight now, I think oh, you're the blanche yeah, of the group. I, I got a chuckle out of that, so anyway, <laughs> go ahead, Flo, what's going on? No, with well, like, no, what was her name, the... You're talking about Blanche. Blanche, Blanche Devereaux. Blanche. I'm thinking of that other show. But yeah. Blanche, uh, Rue McClanahan. Okay, Blanche, what's going on? <laughs> well, I'll keep us uh, on the flow here with news headlines. Good morning. We learn that we go to the courts and it starts local with a judge saying that there is enough evidence to take the fourth suspect in last September's killing to declare to trial. A judge yesterday refused Jamon Sullivan's request to dismiss charges against him, with police saying Sullivan is allegedly one of four people who killed Christopher Connor last September at the intersection section of Bergen and Bellevue. Investigators say the four reportedly got into a fight with Connor after a night of bar hopping and the three suspects in the case are in the Eau Claire County Jail waiting for trial. In Wood County, authorities have found a missing woman's SUV, but still no signs of her. The sheriff's office asking for help after they found Claudine Liebel's Toyota in Fargo, North Dakota. She'd been missing since August when she went from Montana to North Dakota to visit a relative, but never arrived. No one guessing where she may be and more information online. We'll have that link set up for you at 715newsroom.com.
Well, a swing for the fences puts us at AmFam Field, but what about funding? $545 million proposal to pay for repairs and renovations at American Family Field did clear the state assembly yesterday. Sounded like this behind closed doors as we see lawmakers in action. Assembly Minority Leader Greta Neubauer saying Democrats are split, not because they don't want the brewers to stay in Wisconsin. This is a big investment. And there are many other critically important priorities that should receive more attention from this body and necessitate urgent action on behalf of the people of Wisconsin. Well, we'll show you different sides so you can decide. Speaker Robin Voss says it's a good deal for everyone involved. If the brewers leave, dollars follow. The dollars that follow means we have less money to invest in all the critical things people think are important. That's a fact. The bill would raise income taxes on players and staff and take the AmFam field, including the Brewers. It would also require an extra buy-in funding from Milwaukee City and Council. And sometimes we let duties slip through the cracks. You know, a week, two weeks, 90 years for an overdue library book. How does this work, Liz? Westchester's Larchmont Public Library received an overdue book in the mail from Virginia, and when they looked at its due date, it had been checked out this month, only it was October of 1933. Library officials say given the normal overdue fee structure, Joseph Conrad's Youth and Two Other Stories should have set a borrower back more than $6,000. However, due to a library policy, there's only a $5 charge because after a certain period of time, the book is considered lost. So they simply thank the sender and waive the fee. Liz Warner, NBC News Radio, New York. And away from the bookshelves and back to the barn, we take it with Bob Bolsold, Jill Welke, and your Midwest Farm Report on Wax 104.5. I never had that problem checking books on the library. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do it for both of us. That's one of my favorite trips to make is to the library. You know what I was reading? I actually just finished last night. A local author, Michael Perry, wrote yeah, Coop, yeah. and I just finished Coop last night. That was a very good book. If anybody's yeah, he, looking for a local reading, you got some New Auburn references in there. He talks about Fall Creek, talks about going to the feed mill, something all of us can relate yep, to and remember. Yep, yep, he does a good job. That's pretty. We got some uh, some good local authors here, that's for sure. Until they send me to the retirement home. I'll be all reading right, those books uh, in large print, right? All right. We'll see you in the morning, Blanche. <laughs> it's a date. Alright. Bye-bye. There she goes. Morgan McCarthy in the newsroom this morning on Wax. The crack of dawn never sounded so good. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. It's a quarter to five, a quarter to six here at Wax. We've got 49 degrees right now. We're looking for a high right around 60. And if you want to farm in one of the top three agricultural counties in the country... You won't be in Wisconsin. Jill, tell us about the top three counties. They're pretty pretty spectacular. Well, you need to be in Central California. Three counties in that area produced almost $25.5 billion worth of agricultural production last year, led by Tulare County, which is number one ag county in the country. Last year, that county produced production came to $8.6 billion, also over $8 billion in production last year, was Fresno County, followed by Kern County in third place. Among other commodities, Tulare County is the top milk-producing county in the country with about 450,000 cows on about 200 dairy farms. Beautiful, beautiful part of the country. We were out there, and uh, we were on Erosa Dairy last year after we went to the Tulare Farm Show. So a beautiful, beautiful part of the country. So, uh, again... California agriculture, it's uh, its something else. What does it say? If uh, California was this country under themselves, they'd be the, I don't know, fourth or fifth 
largest agricultural production in the world, just with the state of California. So it is uh, it is truly a treasure as far as agricultural production is concerned. We've got markets to get to. It's a busy, busy day. 49 degrees. We'll get about 60, 61 today. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. We're sneaking up on 10 minutes before 6 o'clock. It's 49 degrees out there, and we need to head to Jim Lindsay and hear from about Equity Altoona. Choice beef steers and heifers dollar fifty to a dollar seventy six. Choice dairy cross steers and heifers dollar fifty to a dollar seventy three. High yielding choice and prime Holstein steers dollar fifty eight to a dollar sixty seven. Choice Holstein steers dollar forty five to a dollar fifty seven. Select underfinished heavyweight oversized steers and heifers dollar forty four and down. Top twenty percent of the cull cows sold from ninety eight to a dollar twenty weighed a top of a dollar twenty one. Sixty percent of the cows sold from seventy to ninety seven. The bottom twenty percent of the cows sold from sixty nine and down. Organic market from Tuesday eighty percent of the organic cows sold from a dollar twenty to a dollar forty five. The bottom twenty percent of the organic cows sold from a dollar nineteen and down. Cull bulls sold from ninety to a dollar eighteen with an extreme top of a dollar twenty four. Thin, full horn, and lightweight bulls all discounted. 80% of the 95 pounded up Holstein bull calves sold from $300 to $560 per head. Light and poor quality calves sold from $300 per head and down. Quality beef calves sold from $400 to $810 per head. Just a quick reminder, our next special feeder sale is this Friday, October 20th, starting at noon. All feeder sales are live on Cattle USA. If you have any questions about how to register as a bidder on Cattle USA or to consign cattle to upcoming sale, feel free to give us a call at 715-835-3104. To check out our early consignments, go to the Equity Livestock Market consignment page and click on the Altoona Market. This has been Jim Lindsay reporting from Equity Livestock in Altoona. Have a great day. Feeding information to the folks who feed you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And let's get over to the equity Stratford sale barn. Jerry Fitzgerald is up and at him. Good morning, Jerry. How you doing? We're doing good, Bob. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer here, but I was looking at the calendar. You know, two weeks from today, we're going to be in November. Yeah, we are. And then, uh, I don't know, what. <laughs> when do we go off of daylight saving time? That's coming up sometime too i don't know we'll have to check that so yeah it's changing out there that is for sure well how the market's been so far this week well we'll tell the folks about it bob thank you and good morning everyone a summary a summary from yesterday tuesday here at equity stratford uh first of all we'll start with the organic market that we do sell organic cattle every tuesday on the organic cows yesterday uh good quality certified organic cows selling from 130 to 145 and now uh, lower yielding organic cows 130 and below now we'll get to the conventional cows yesterday's auction high yielding fleshy olstein cows yesterday's sale selling from 96 to a dollar 14 most of the cows this week so far are selling between 70 and 95 thinner cows plain cows $70 and below. On the bull trade, your better quality bulls are selling mostly from 102 to 118 lighter bulls, dollar and back. And we'll have an update on the fed cattle. Most of those will be sold this morning here at Stratford. Uh, bull calves are very high on Monday's auction, mostly from 250 to 500 up to 540 on old bull calves Monday sale. Uh, beef calves also very, very strong, 350 to 750 up to 780. That was on Monday also. So calves continue to be very good demand. And uh, we are at Wednesday, and we will get started this morning, uh, bright and early this morning, around 10 o'clock here at the market auction. Like I said, we'll sell fed cattle this morning along with the market cows and uh, sheep, hog, and goats, baby calves. 12.30 will be the feeder cattle sale, folks. Uh, we've got a very good selection of feeder cattle today here at Stratford. We've got some real nice top-quality consignments, including the consignment of purebred black Angus cattle. They're going to weigh from about 450 to 600. Uh, very top-quality cattle there, a mixture of uh, heifers and bulls. 
Again, then we do have our consignment of Charlet cattle. Those will be uh, uh, short-term cattle weighing around 900, uh, all young cattle. The steers, of course, are all castrated. Everything is vaccinated. We do have another consignment of black baldy cattle, Simmentals. So uh, if you folks are in the uh, looking for some feeder cattle today or you want to be selling today here at 1230 at Equity Stratford, and just keep in mind our sale tomorrow does start at 11 market auction and maybe calves. So that's what's going on, Bob, and we'll have a full report tomorrow. And uh, uh, I was looking at the radar. I didn't see anything too extensive, not not no big deal in the rain, is there? No, they're still going to be moving through, but uh, not bad. Get a little breeze out of the south, warming us up a little bit. Not a bad day at all. You have a good one. We'll talk to you in the morning. Yep, and I guess if you're an Arizona Diamondbacks fan, uh, not real happy this morning either. <laughs> no, I know. They're, they're playing like the Brewers did when they played the Arizona Diamondbacks. So uh, what goes around comes around. You have a good one. We'll see you in the morning. You betcha, Bob. Thank you much. There you go. Jerry Fitzgerald over at Equity in Stratford. Keeping it rural. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And Synergy Cooperative in Ridgeland bringing us the markets. As we look at the Board of Trade, beans were higher yesterday. The day before, it was oil driving the market. Uh, Yesterday was bean meal. And so prices are higher. Corn, uh, not much movement. The harvest does continue. Otherwise, not much to say as far as corn sales or anything like that. Overnight, December corn up two cents on the board at four ninety one. Oats up three to four at three seventy eight. December wheat up a nickel at five seventy five. November beans up seven to eight cents overnight. Back over thirteen dollars at thirteen oh four. And meal for December up five fifty a ton. That's back over four hundred dollars now. Four hundred five dollars. And 30 cents at the country elevators today. Northside elevator loyal location. New crop corn is at 447 with soybeans at 1224. And Arcadia location corn's at 447 with soybeans at 1225. Wheat and grain, Chippa Falls location corn's at 430 with beans at 1234. And Connorsville, 430 and 1229 for beans. And on the DTN screen, Golden Plump corn is 457 today at Baldwin. Corn is 442, beans 1224. Duran, 437 on the corn, 1214 on the beans. Mondovi, 442 and 1219. Elmwood has their corn today at 447, beans 1224 at Fall Creek. Corn is 437, the beans at 1214. And Osseo, corn 452, beans 1224. Elk Mound, 437 and 1234. Sparta down at uh, Melrose Farm Service, 440 on the corn, 1211 on the beans. And at Ellsworth, 417 and 1204 at the ethanol plants, both Boyceville and Stanley. Corn today, 452. New Richmond Grain Facility, 447. Barrel and block cheese, both up a quarter cent yesterday. Barrels, 164 and a half. Blocks, 170 and one quarter. Butter up another six cents, 341. Class three higher yesterday. October, class three up a penny at 1682. November up 44 at 1783. December up 34 at 1784. January up 21 at 1823. And February up 20 at 1850. Once again, a partly cloudy day. A chance of some rain moving through. Breeze is going to be coming out of south-southwest, warming us up. We're 49 right now. We'll get around 60, 61 today. Enjoy it. You've been listening to the Midwest Farm Report, available at WaxRadio.com in its entirety every day. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed in Montovi and the Chilson family of brand dealerships, Chippewa Falls and Kadok. On-demand content at WaxRadio.com.